0: It's five years this week since William Tyrrell vanished from his foster grandmother's yard and as we mark this heartbreaking anniversary, we can for the first time reveal one of the key persons of interest in the ongoing investigation, Paul Savage, has a history with police. We can also bring you exclusive and disturbing new revelations about another convicted pedophile who was living in the area at the time William disappeared and is now firmly in investigator's sights. It comes as Gary Jubelin, the former head detective of the William Tyrrell investigation, reveals he has a theory about who he believes took the three-year-old that day. Mr Jubelin, who has been taken off the case and is now facing criminal charges, fears William's disappearance may never be solved. And he admits that's an unbearable burden he will carry until the day he dies. I'm Natasha Belling. And I'm Leah Harris. This is Where's William Tyrrell. Leah, these exclusive new details you have are surrounding a person by the name of Paul Savage. Who is Paul Savage and why is he important
1: to this case? So just to recap, Paul Savage is a neighbour who lived across the road from William's foster grandmother's house. He actually knew William's foster grandparents being a small town, and he had met the foster parents and William before at a neighbourhood Christmas party. He testified at the inquest into William's disappearance quite extensively. He's also been extensively interviewed by police investigating William's disappearance. And at the inquest, there were some inconsistencies in his testimony that were pointed out by the council assisting the coroner there is more than an hour missing around 75 minutes uh, between Mr Savage's recollection of what he did the day William went missing after searching the bush for him and then returning home. Now he claims that his memory simply just isn't what it used to be he is an old man now he's 75 years old. So Leah you've been investigating some
0: new leads in Kendall. what new information do you have for us regarding Mr
1: Savage? So I can reveal through my investigation in recent weeks that Mr Savage actually had a history with police in the months before William disappeared. A local postal worker, a woman in her late 40s at the time, who we've chosen not to identify to protect her privacy and her safety. She claimed Mr Savage was stalking and harassing her. She delivered the mail in the Kendall area for several years prior to 2014 and that included to the houses on Benaroon Drive and Mr Savage's house and that is how the alleged harassment began. She told police that Mr Savage's fixation and his strange behaviour towards her escalated over time and she actually changed her postal routine to try to avoid him but it still continued And it got so bad that she actually went to police and she was granted an apprehended violence order against him in April 2013, which prevented him from contacting or approaching her. She stopped delivering mail to his address after that, forcing him and his wife to attend the post office to collect their mail instead. Unfortunately, though, Mr. Savage actually ignored that apprehended violence order. He approached her in February 2014 when she was delivering mail to one of his neighbours' houses and she went to police, who then charged him with breaching that apprehended violence order. The woman has since left her job at the Kendall Post Office and sold her house, moving to another town. Do you
0: have any specific details about this behaviour of Mr Savage towards this post office worker?
1: As far as I'm aware, there were no allegations of any physical violence or um, assaults or harassment in a physical sense. It was more menacing behaviour and unwanted romantic advances that then became quite obsessive, approaching her on the street, um, making romantic gestures towards her that were unwanted, and also knowing personal details about her that she had never revealed to him. Now, Mr Savage still lives in the Kendall area.
0: You approached him recently about these allegations. What did he have to say about this?
1: I approached Mr Savage at his house before we recorded this episode and he declined to be recorded, but he did tell me that it was all a misunderstanding and he denied stalking or harassing the woman.
0: So Leah, why is this information relevant to William Tyrrell and the investigation into his disappearance?
1: As we've mentioned, Mr Savage has been extensively interviewed by detectives investigating William Tyrrell's disappearance and this incident with the postal worker was among the topics that he was questioned about. Mr Jubelin had actually interviewed and had conversations with Mr Savage about this case on several occasions when he was the the head of the investigation. And we understand
0: those conversations and recordings are at the core of the charges that Mr Jubelin is now facing.
1: That's right. Mr Jubelin has been charged with illegally recording conversations, as we mentioned before, with a person involved in the case. That person was Paul Savage, the neighbour who lived across the road. He's accused of recording conversations with him both in Kendall and in Parramatta. However, we need to stress that Mr Jubelin claims he had a lawful reason to be recording those conversations in his role investigating William's disappearance, that he was just doing his job and he denies any wrongdoing.
0: So Mr Savage was a focus of the ongoing police investigation. What's the current team doing now with Mr Savage?
1: Mr Savage testified at the inquest and he was in the stand for several hours. He was extensively questioned. He also gave testimony in a closed court, so we may never know what was said in that closed court. And I can't say what the state of the investigation is in regards to him, but he is certainly still a person of interest and a witness in this investigation.
0: In September 2014, Leah, when William disappeared, Mr Savage was married to his wife, Heather Savage. She unfortunately passed away a short time after William disappeared.
1: Mrs Savage unfortunately fell ill and passed away about six months after William disappeared. As far as I'm aware, she knew about the allegations against her husband from the local postal worker. As I mentioned, they had to pick up their mail from the post office instead of having it delivered. So she was made aware of um, what he was being accused of. Unfortunately, we'll never know her take on that. Moving on
0: now from Mr Savage, Leah, you've also uncovered some new information about a known pedophile in the area that was living in Kendall the time that William disappeared.
1: During the inquest when it was in Tari recently, a couple of weeks ago, police from the William Till Strike Force were searching near Kendall. They were searching some bushland and a sawmill, which is located about eight kilometres from Benaroon Drive. They brought in cadaver dogs, which are the dogs that look for any human remains, turned over some wood piles and that kind of thing. I've spent the past couple of weeks looking into that search and spent some time in Kendall investigating why they were searching that area. And I found that they were actually searching for evidence relating to William at the former home of a convicted pedophile named Frank Abbott. Abbott had been living in a caravan parked on that property about eight kilometres from where William disappeared in September 2014. And he came to the attention of the strike force because he's since been convicted of some heinous offences against children. He was convicted last year of 10 counts of sexual misconduct against three children, one as young as seven years old. He's been sentenced to a minimum of 16 years in jail. He's recently become the focus of the investigation, though he has always been a person of interest. Police recently searching the caravan that he was living in and the property that he was living on. They've also interviewed him in jail. And he is set to testify himself at the inquest next year from his jail cell, which is where he'll likely spend the rest of his life. He is now an old man in his late 70s. It's
0: five years this week since William disappeared. Why all of a sudden is Mr Abbott now the focus for
1: investigators? It's hard to say, but I suspect he has always been at the top of the person of interest list. We can't say what's been happening behind the scenes over the past few years. All we do know is that they have done more recent searches and interviews in relation to him. Why
0: are police investigating Mr Abbott in regards to William's disappearance?
1: Apart from living nearby to where William disappeared, only eight kilometres away and being a convicted sex offender, and as we've mentioned before, all convicted sex offenders or known sex offenders in the area where William disappeared were automatically persons of interest. So that is obviously a huge factor in him being a person of interest in this case. But the only evidence we've heard so far about any connection in relation to him and the foster grandmother's house was through a man named Jeff Owen, He was a former associate of Abbott's. He lived in a caravan next door to him at one point. Uh, Mr. Owen said at the time that he worked as a a bit of a handyman in the local area doing electrical work, carpentry. He advertised his services in the Kendall Chronicle and he testified at the inquest in Taree last month and he was asked about Abbott. He told the court that he allowed him to live in his caravan for a while in exchange for him fixing up some things. Mr. Abbott also fancied himself apparently as a jack of all trades and used to help him out with some of the work that Mr. Owen was doing. But he did mention in court that Abbott's work wasn't quite to his standard Several days before William disappeared, his foster grandmother actually called Mr. Owen asking for a quote to repair her decking. As I said, he was a handyman and he had an ad in the local paper. Now, Mr. Owen was actually quite ill at the time and he went to hospital for surgery on the 18th of September, but he eventually did repair her decking in October of 2014.
0: So did Mr. Owen or Mr. Abbott, considering he lived near Mr. Owen, ever visit William's foster grandmother's house?
1: There's been no evidence presented so far to suggest that Frank Abbott visited the house at all before or after William disappeared. Jeff Owen testified at the inquest that he had actually visited the house earlier in 2014 to do some plumbing work for his foster grandmother. He then returned later in 2014 after William disappeared to repair that decking. However, Mr Owen's testimony was actually cut off halfway through. He will resume again in the witness box next year. So we may hear more details about his visits and also any link that Abbott may have had to that house.
0: Mr Abbott, as we now know, is a convicted pedophile and behind bars. Bars, but he'd also previously been charged with murder.
1: He was actually accused of raping and killing Helen Marie Harrison, whose body was found in a shallow grave near East Karajong, northwest of Sydney, in March of 1968. Helen was last seen riding her bike from her work towards her home. She was then found naked from the waist down with some cash, her watch and her bicycle missing. The case was cold for more than 20 years before Frank Abbott actually faced trial twice for her murder in 1994. In the first trial, the jury failed to reach a verdict and in the second trial, he was actually acquitted. He claimed that he was with his parents at the time that she went missing.
0: And during your investigations in Kendal, Lear, you also spoke to locals who lived next door to Mr Abbott.
1: Yeah, while I was in Kendall, I asked around to quite a few locals about him and all the people that I spoke to who did know Frank Abbott say they were not surprised by his recent convictions or the fact that he was a person of interest in the William Tyrrell case. They've told me he lived in caravans in a number of different locations around the Kendall area, wherever people would allow him to stay on their properties. He was described as strange and creepy. A lot of people said they always had a bad feeling about him. In particular, I spoke to a couple named Jodie and Peter who didn't want their last names um, included in the podcast, but they lived next door to him in the years since William disappeared before he was recently arrested. They say that they always had a bad feeling about him, particularly around their young daughters. He lived in a caravan on the property next door to them, and they did not like having him next to them. And as a result of that, they contacted the council to ask them to remove him because he was living in this caravan on this property. But what eventually made them actually go to police about him as well was that they actually believed he was abusing their pet Labrador. There was evidence, they claim, of sexual abuse of their pet and you'll hear them reference that a couple of times in my interview with them, but that motivated them to go to police about him. So you guys have lived here for a few years now? About five years now. Five years. What was your experience with um, Frank Abbott? He was living next door for how long? He would have been here a couple of years, wouldn't
2: he? Yeah, he lived in the first caravan, as we showed you, and then he lived in the second caravan, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he... um, he was very helpful around the yard with me, if I was cutting a tree down or he'd help. But, yeah, in a, after a while, yeah, we sort of grew a bit aware of him with mm. our dog. and Yeah,
1: yeah. So why were you worried about him without getting too graphic? But what, what were your... You, you had a bad feeling about him for a start? Yeah, I just felt uneasy with him we, with two young girls. You know, just you get that feeling about someone that... that it's not right something's not right Mm. Mm. and then you had some bad experiences with him
2: yeah well we can't we can't say definitely but our our dog come back with a few things done to it which we didn't want to bring bring up because we didn't know for sure it was him so and you don't want to make bad neighbors and yeah we knew he's a bloke that lives by by himself and it was very odd. He never had a car. He walked everywhere. Yeah. So, and, and and bum lift when he can, you know. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Mm. And you actually ended up taking some action. You went to the council. I did. I went to the council because I just wanted him gone. I wanted the kids to be able to play in the yard safe, safely. And after finding out about the dog,
2: yeah. I wanted him gone. Yeah. Pretty
1: mm-hmm. much. And how long after that did he end up leaving? Well, it would have only been about... Six weeks, yeah, yeah. Like five, six weeks? Yeah, five, six weeks. Yeah. And then what happened with the the police then? They couldn't say yes or no, whether he's a pedophile, but they gave us a bit of a nod and said, just be careful. Yeah. yeah. And what's been your, uh, like what made you go to police? Okay. After the dog. Uh, that was big alarm bells for us, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and yeah. just, yeah. And just a few people around the area saying saying things as well. You know, it was just a bit of a worry. It's just yeah, a gut feeling, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Mm. And of course, I'm going to work early in the morning. Yeah, i worried for Jody and the kids. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: And you've since seen police next door where he lived. Yes, they've come and gone a few times. haven't yeah, so they yeah, yeah. Yeah. And have they told you why? No, and I, I think they spoke to you, didn't they? Just no, know, no, no, no,
2: no. I just no, I just assumed I assume that they, uh, yeah, because not much else goes on in Logan's <laughs> Crossing. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> Fair enough. And did it surprise you to learn about his recent no,
2: condition? not at all. No, not at all. No, not at all. Mm, when yeah. we were told, we sort of it just ticked the box for us. Yeah, mm, yeah, yep.
1: yeah. Glad we did what we did.
2: Yeah, yeah. He wasn't real happy when he got moved on, but yeah yeah
1: and do you feel safer now without him here definitely yeah
2: Yeah. and definitely after hearing that he has gone to jail like yeah because he knows his area you know and he'd never befriend tried to befriend the kids did he but yeah you just knew there was something odd there you know yeah yeah so yeah yeah Yeah, but
1: so how long did he live next door for in total
2: oh probably about uh about
1: three years yeah down in the bottom
2: caravan and then up in this top caravan, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: so. And was he always friendly to you guys? Yeah. Al- always friendly. Always yeah. friendly. Always friendly. Nice,
2: helpful. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, there was. You just know. Yeah, yeah, you just, just to not have any family and, you know, nothing, no cars, you know, and he got sick and went to the hospital once and I think he had to walk to the highway to get to the hospital, I don't know, yeah, so, yeah, he told me that, yeah. So I think he had a heart attack or something. I don't know what he said, but yeah, yeah. yeah so
1: mm. How old would you say he he was or is He'd be seventy now, maybe? In, in his yeah, seventies, quite old. Like yeah,
2: like mid to late seventies. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, age, yeah. But he'd done a lot of walking,
1: didn't yeah. he?
2: Yeah. yeah, He had a bung leg, and he's still done a lot of walking, and most of most of Logan's Crossing. Sort of saw him walking down the dirt road. Mm. Yeah, so.
0: Five years on, Leah, there is still no breakthrough in the William Tyrrell investigation and we still don't know who was responsible for taking William. The other frightening part about this case is this has really exposed the number of convicted sex offenders and pedophiles that live within local communities.
1: Police in this case did have to look at all of the sex offenders in the region at the time that William disappeared and unfortunately there was quite a long list of them and that is part of the reason why they had so many persons of interest to wade through over the past five years.
0: I know that was certainly also an issue for investigators in Daniel Morecambe that when he disappeared police were quite open saying there were this many convicted sex offenders in the area at the time that Daniel went missing It must be terrifying also for the local residents and I know you spoke with these neighbours, Jodie and Peter, about for the fears for the general community still no one has ever been caught for William's disappearance and that these known sex offenders in some circumstances are living right next to them.
1: Yeah, Jodie and Peter spoke to me about this and, and a sentiment that I have heard over the past few years from many locals in Kendall is that it has really changed their way of life. They no longer let their kids run around the town without fear like they used to. You mentioned that um, you have visitors and they don't want to let their kids oh, play out the front.
2: Jodie's brother visits visits from Orange and, yeah, oh, it's a running joke that don't let the kids go out the front because, yeah... They're only
1: young, two and four yeah, year old, so. so just being safe. Yeah, It's affected the whole community. It has, yeah, mm. definitely. How much would it mean to the community to have it solved?
2: Yeah, a fair bit, I think, talking around the community. Like, especially around Kendall community, it's a little community. And that's sort of pretty much our local community yeah, too. Yeah, people just want to yeah, know. Yeah, they? It was, yeah, Logan's Crossing sort of a part of Kendall, so yeah. Oh. Yeah, people just want to know what happened, you know. There's so many stories, as I said to you before, going going around, but mm, nothing's been said in, you know, stone to tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: This week we've also heard from Gary Jubelin, who was the former chief inspector on the William Tyrrell investigation, about his theory on who he believes is responsible for William's disappearance.
1: Mr. Jubilant spoke at the Sydney Crime Writers Festival this week. He was interviewed on stage by a journalist as part of a victim's detective segment. And this journalist asked him about the William Tyrrell case and asked him if he knows what happened to him. He said he has ideas about what has happened to William, but he can't say 100%. But from information he has gathered, he's got thoughts on what happened and that it was a matter for the coroner at the moment to investigate and that he has to respect that process. He said he
0: wasn't 100% certain on his theory, but he said it was more than a gut instinct.
1: He's gathered four years of evidence. His response was that his theory was based on information that he has gathered.
0: Mr Jubelin has been taken off the case and is facing criminal charges He also revealed that he made a promise to William's family that he would solve this crime. And he's been very candid about the fact, the burden, that that weighs very, very heavily on him.
1: He was asked about the fact that the case hasn't been solved on stage, and he did admit that it weighs very heavily on him, that he made a commitment to William's foster parents specifically that he would do everything humanly possible to solve the case and he did say that he feels like they've failed the families because we haven't given them any answers.
0: Mr Chapman was also mentioned. We know now that this was very compelling new evidence from a witness in Kendall called Ron Chapman who is convinced 100% that he saw William in the back of a car the day that he disappeared. What did Mr Jubilant say about that evidence? Because there has been a lot of criticism. Why did we not know about this eyewitness report beforehand and the public could have helped in seeing that vehicle that was spotted by Mr Chapman.
1: He was asked about the criticism that has been levelled at him and other investigators on this case about how it's been run. And he said he has explanations for all the decisions he's made, especially in regards to Ronald Chapman, the witness. He has documents and he can answer all questions in relation to that. He said he stands by what he did with the investigation. And he also said if he thought there was someone else who could run the investigation better, he would gladly step aside because it's too important but he said he has no animosity towards the people currently running the investigation. In the four years that he ran it, though, he said he was responsible for every operational decision and he was comfortable that he did everything he could and he stands by it. Mr Jubilant
0: was also asked this week about those criminal charges he's facing and he's heading back to court over those later this month, September 2019.
1: In response to that, he just said that he has spoken publicly before on the steps of the court, which we reported in a previous episode. He said he had a lawful reason to record those conversations and an operational need to do so. He did say, though, that the charges have impacted on him greatly, but he's chosen not to let it destroy him. He also made uh, a joke about wanting to stay out of jail because he thinks he would be very popular there, but he also said he wasn't making light of the situation at all. That was just the way that he was dealing with it through humour.
0: This week, as we mentioned, marks the five-year anniversary of William's disappearance on that morning on the 12th of September 2014. And you've also been able to get a photo made up of what William may have looked like today at the age of eight.
1: We had a criminologist from Newcastle University named Xanthi Mallet create a photo using their technology of what William might look like today as an eight-year-old boy.
0: And you can see that photo during our coverage on 10 News First at 5 and also at 10 Daily and yet again we can't forget about William, we can't forget about his family and friends. Seeing that photo must be incredibly heartbreaking this week on the five-year anniversary and still... So many years after he's gone missing, there have been serious concerns raised about the ongoing police investigation. There are still no suspects arrested and there is still no major breakthrough. There are still so many questions.
1: Yeah, so William would have been eight years old now, um, five years since his family have seen him. It's been five years of, of missing him and wishing that he was with them and it's also been five years desperately hoping for any answers about what has happened to him and unfortunately it seems that it's still going to be a continuing wait for those answers because the inquest has been suspended for another six months won't resume until march of 2020 so they have more waiting for those answers they've desperately needed
0: let's hope for william's family and friends and also william that we have some answers soon we will of course keep you updated if there are any developments or any new information on the next episode of Where's William Tyrrell?
2: Where's William Tyrrell is produced and presented by Leah Harris in conversation with Natasha Belling.
1: Produced and edited by Stuart Buckland. If you have any information that may assist this case at all, please contact police. Or crime stoppers on one eight hundred three 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 zero zero zero.
2: This has been a ten news first podcast for ten speaks.